So this morning we're talking about Sabbath rest. Rest is something that everybody needs, that nobody gets enough of, and that most of us are ashamed to admit we need. Can you believe that? Most of us are admit are ashamed to admit that we need or desire rest. There's something in us, even from an early age, that doesn't like the idea of rest. We don't want to miss anything. We don't want to surrender. Rare is the child who is excited for bedtime. How many of us have had the experience of telling a young one that it's time for their nap and they happily run into their room and jump in bed? It just doesn't happen that often. The more likely scenario is that our kids just go and go and go until we find them somewhere in the house, passed out on the floor, probably clutching the toy they were playing with when they just couldn't fight it anymore. The need or want of rest is seen often in our society as a sign of weakness. We have sayings that bolster this idea that working and striving are good and that resting is not. We say things like, no rest for the weary. Rest is for the weak. I'll rest when I die. That's not even that new of an idea either. Augustine, the 5th century bishop and early church father, wrote that however we try in this world, we shall nevertheless not arrive at that perfect rest except when we have departed this life. I want to begin this morning by telling you I think there's some truth to what Augustine wrote. We will rest when we die, but I think Augustine sugarcoated the truth. There's more to it. It's not just that we will rest when we die. It's that we will rest, period. And all that's up to us is when and how. Will we settle for the forced rest of death and an exhausted life, or will we engage Sabbath rest now, regularly, rhythmically, as a way to be fully alive? Truth be told, I'm not sure how equipped we are to answer that question. I don't know that we really know what Sabbath rest is or if we really understand the Sabbath. It feels as though maybe we've lost touch with the idea. I'm sure we might know the stories in the Gospels of Jesus being persecuted for breaking the Sabbath. Those stories make sense to us. Jesus repeatedly heals someone or eats or teaches on the Sabbath and gets accused of breaking the religious rules of the Sabbath. And there were a lot of rules. Ancient rabbis identified 39 different kinds of work from which we needed to abstain on the Sabbath. There's an entire book of the Talmud called Sabbath that's dedicated to the rules of what constitutes work and what doesn't. So when Jesus shows up on the scene, the religious rules are all that the Sabbath is about. Sabbath is suffering under the weight of human arrogance trying to define, regulate, and control the proper observance of Sabbath as if there was only one right way. One ancient rabbi in the Mishnah referred to the Sabbath rules as a mountain hanging by a hair. The rules hover in the air with nothing to support them. And that's essentially what Jesus says when he shows up over and over. You've missed the point. Humanity doesn't exist for the benefit of the Sabbath. The Sabbath exists for the benefit of humanity. Their arrogance led them to try to control the Sabbath through rigid religious rules and regulations. Jesus stands up to them, and we love him for it. We cheer as he scolds their obsessive religiousness. And right there, 
right there in that moment of standing up to Sabbath rigidity, if we're not careful, we trade their arrogance for our own. And we miss the point ourselves. Now to be sure, we no longer have arrogance toward the Sabbath whereby we seek to control it through rules and regulations. Instead, we have an arrogance that dismisses the Sabbath altogether as if it was irrelevant and unnecessary. The pendulum has swung completely the other way. We are not a people who cease. We struggle with rest at a profound level. Rest is for the weak. I'm too busy. I'll rest when I die. We mismanage the weekly gift of Sabbath as poorly as anyone in the first century. We just do it with different flair. But why? Why has the pendulum swung so far the other way? Why are we willing to ignore the rhythmic blessing of Sabbath to the point of our own sickness, exhaustion, and death? There's a number of reasons, probably more than we could deal with in one sitting in here. But I think all the reasons come back to three basic problems. One, we don't know what the Sabbath is. Two, we don't know how to practice it. And three, we don't understand why it matters. Using those categories of reasons why we, why we neglect Sabbath rest, let's ask the corresponding questions. The first one is, what is the Sabbath? We've lost touch with what it really is. If you have your Bibles and you want to look again this morning, take a look at Exodus 20. This is where we heard what Matt read, the fourth commandment. This is the first appearance in Torah of what we know as the Ten Commandments. God has delivered us from the slavery of Egypt and now gives us these ten devarim, these ten words or instructions to live by. This is the fourth instruction on that list. And as Brever Child points out, there are a number of interesting things to see in its construction and placement. One thing is this is the longest commandment. More words than any of the other commandments have. Secondly, it's positively stated. It's not a thou shalt not commandment. It's a do this commandment. It's the only instruction in the list of the Ten Commandments that includes the justification of doing it because God did it. The only one of all ten. The first three instructions are commandments about our relationship with God. Numbers 5 through 10 are about our relationship with other people. This one sits right in the middle as a hinge, as a pivot that's about both our relationship with God and with other people. It's as if the writers of the Exodus put bold and underline on this one commandment so that we would pay attention to it. So let's hear it again from Exodus 20. You and your family are to remember the Sabbath day. Set it apart. Keep it holy. You have six days to do all of your work, but the seventh day is to be different. It is the Sabbath of the Eternal, your God. Keep it holy by not doing any work. Not you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, or any outsiders living among you. For the Eternal made the heavens above, the earth below, the seas, and all the creatures in them in six days. Then on the seventh day, the Lord rested. That is why the Eternal blessed the Sabbath day and made it sacred. Now, I know there's a lot in there, but one point really gets driven home. Do no work. Rest. Stop. Rest because the Lord rested. 
Most of us in this room, myself included, probably grew up thinking that the way we kept Sabbath holy was to get up, put on our Sunday best, and come to church. But this instruction says nothing about that. It says keep it holy, which means keep it distinct or set apart from every other day, by doing no work. It doesn't even mention worship at all. Our Sabbath word comes from the Hebraic word Shabbat, which was derived from their word, which means to cease. And remember all those rules that evolved around the Sabbath, the mountain hanging in the air by a hair? All of that extra biblical interpretation muddies the water of what the real instruction is here. Author Gary Burge points out that in the entire Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, there are just four specific instructions about how to keep the Sabbath. They are, stay where you are. Do not build a fire. Not a tough one for us right now. We can keep that one, no problem. Do not carry things from place to place. And cease commercial or agricultural work. That's it. Those four ideas, much like the commandment itself, drive the point home that this day is to be about ceasing. Do no work. Don't do the work that you do every other day of the week. There's nothing in there about worship. There's nothing in there about going to church or synagogue. And there's nothing in there about a religious practice or ritual at all. Walter Brueggemann wrote, Sabbath is not about worship. It's about work stoppage. It's about withdrawal from the anxiety system of Pharaoh, the refusal to let one's life be defined by production and consumption, and the endless pursuit of private well-being. Similarly, Dallas Willard said, the command is do no work. Just make space. Attend to what is around you. Learn that you do not have to do to be. Accept the grace of doing nothing. And stay with it until you stop jerking and squirming. What is Sabbath? It's a day that we keep holy by ceasing to do that which we do every other day. And then the answer to the question, what is Sabbath, lies also the answer to the second question of how do we keep it? We do no work. We stop. We rest. Easier said than done, I know. So let's be practical. If we're living a life with no rhythm of Sabbath rest... We're going to find it extremely difficult to jam a 24-hour period of rest into the middle of our schedules and expect it to be a blessing. So how do we keep it? I think the first answer is a little bit at a time. Baby steps. And every step that we take towards Sabbath rest, no matter how small, is a step that God will bless. A little over two years ago, I was invited to take part in Faith Walking 201, a course here. And you're assigned a coach, and your coach sits with you and allows you to pick some spiritual disciplines that you'll engage. You're encouraged to pick one that you'll practice daily, one that you'll practice weekly, and one that you'll practice monthly or quarterly. And my coach, David Mendicki, encouraged me to pick Sabbath as one of my disciplines because he recognized very wisely that I had none built into my life. And so he said, start small. Take a half day off a month. And I thought... No problem. I can do that. But then he gave me the specifics of what that meant. And it meant that during that half day, I could do nothing related to my job. I couldn't return those emails. I couldn't answer the phone calls. 
I couldn't read that book that I'd been putting off. I couldn't, you know, pick up that magazine that had to do with my job. Stay away from it. Don't even think about your job. And that sounded a little bit harder. It didn't come easy. I didn't instantly have a Sabbath rest attitude, but I practiced it. And it wasn't long before I wanted to go from a half day a month to a full day a month, which is where I found myself about a year ago when my wife and I went with Scott Hare and Ryan Jacobson to Israel. And in Israel, I had an even more profound experience of the Sabbath. We're on a two-week study tour, so we got to experience two Sabbaths in Israel. You might be wondering if we rested. The answer is no. We did not rest. You pay a lot of money and set a lot of things up in your schedule to get over there to study for two weeks. So you go solidly for two weeks and you don't rest. But you get to see the country around you rest on Friday. So during the morning and the afternoon of Friday, everyone is going crazy. It's just a hustle and bustle of activity as people are trying to get everything ready. But then at about 4.30, things start to settle down. Families start setting outdoor tables for that night's feast. And as the sun sets, you'd see massive extended families or neighbors gathered around a table with their kids playing around them as the adults sat and ate and talked and enjoyed resting with each other's company. Another part of the experience in Israel is that all day Saturday, every time you see someone, they greet you with this phrase, Shabbat Shalom. And that for us, we're out there hiking and studying and going different places. And so we saw a lot of people. We'd see you'd say Shabbat Shalom like 50, 60 times in one Saturday. And what they're saying to you when they say Shabbat Shalom and you say it back, is they're saying Sabbath peace. The peace of ceasing to strive be upon you. The peace of knowing that the universe continues without your toil rests on you. Stacy and I were hooked. We came back and explained to our children what had happened to us. And the first Friday evening we were back, we copied what had been modeled for us. The first few weeks, our kids thought we were a little crazy. That's all right. They, like we, just needed to kind of grow into the rhythm of rest. They started to realize that Shabbat or Sabbath meant that mom and dad would plug their phones in to charge and leave them there. The outside distractions would be quieted. And that Friday night and Saturday meant they would have our undivided attention. That time was for us to be together. Maybe to go to a movie, to eat together. Uh, maybe go to a little league game together. Whatever it was, it was different for, from the rest of the days. Now don't let me paint too rosy a picture here. We're still learning and growing into our weekly Shabbat. My kids love Friday night and they love Saturday, but they don't really care for Friday afternoon. Uh, There's a lot of work to be done, a lot of clothes to be washed and rooms to be clean, and uh, we get a little grumpy in our house uh, Friday afternoon getting ready for Shabbat and sometimes say some things about Shabbat we probably wish we could take back, but once the sun sets and it's over, we settle into that. Some weeks we take it as it comes, like this week. I didn't feel like I could stand up here and teach on Sabbath rest if I used my Sabbath to prepare for this teaching, so I had to see that coming and build it in in the weeks leading up to this week that I had enough time to research and study and prepare so that I could actually be off on Sabbath. And our Shabbat has grown to. It includes a few other families from our neighborhood and community with whom we are close. And while that's great for Stacy and I, we're learning that our kids want to include their friends too. And that sometimes leads us to some weird conversations as we reach out to parents and 
invite their kids over to our Shabbat and we get some strange looks, but it's okay. It's a good conversation. And we're growing this organically. And that's what I think the second answer is. The first part is we do this a little bit at a time. And the second part is we do this organically. You're going to have a journey and expression of Sabbath rest that works for you and your family or neighborhood. You don't have to keep Sabbath the same way that I do. We do not need to get lost in rules and regulations as our first century forebearers did. I started by instituting personal Sabbath into my life one morning a month. That grew into one day a month, and in time that became something my family joined me in once a week from Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown. And that's what works for us right now. Your journey may look completely different. You may rest on a different day altogether. Your rhythm may be different than mine, and that's okay. The how may look different, but the what should be similar. We all need to find a rhythm of rest in our lives. Start small. Build it slowly or organically. But know that the goal is work stoppage once every six days. Which leads us to the last question. Why does this matter? Why should we bother with Sabbath rest? The first and I think easiest reason is because God says it's a good idea. The fourth commandment. If we believe that God is the creator of all things, we should trust that God's instructions for how to live have merit. And God has instructed us to rest. In fact, the creation poems in Genesis tell us that God modeled rest for us to make sure that we got the point. But I get it. That might not be enough of a reason for some of us. Perhaps it feels like an intellectual punt or a particularly Jewish thing to do and not necessarily for Christians. So the second reason I look to keeping the Sabbath is because Jesus himself kept the Sabbath. I was in a meeting with Scott Hare this week, and speaking on the Sabbath, Scott said, We tend to discount the law as though that's what Jesus did, but he did not. In fact, he always embraced the law and took it to another level. I think Scott's right. Jesus did frequently argue against Sabbath restrictions, but never against the Sabbath. Jesus doesn't dismiss the Sabbath. He takes it to a new level, opens it up, and helps those who would listen to learn the truth of the Sabbath. If nothing else, we learn in Matthew 12 that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. I think a third reason Sabbath rest matters could be that it is a rhythm in the midst of the world that is out of sync. Our existence is full of and divided by rhythms, minutes and hours, night and day, the rhythm of seasons, sowing and harvesting, waking and sleeping, working and resting. There seems to be an innate logic to those rhythms of our existence which bring order, which stave off the chaos of everything around us spinning out of control. We fight rhythm as much as, if not more, than we embrace it, Yet our striving to accomplish tasks against the rhythm never seems to work out for us. We may be able to work against the grain for a little while, but eventually we burn out, we get sick, and we crash. The writer of Chronicles from the passage that Matt just shared for us this morning reminded us of this, that Israel had missed practicing the Sabbath year for 490 years. And that obsessive work ethic they had was rewarded with a 70-year exile so that the 70 missed years of Sabbath rest every seventh year could be rhythmically restored. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
not to be outdone. Gloria Estefan sang it this way with the Miami Sound Machine. The rhythm is going to get you. I think Sabbath rest is one of those rhythms. It just works. If we will come away from our jobs and our work regularly and rhythmically, we will not only be better at our jobs, but better at life. Still, maybe God's instructions, Jesus' example, and the presence of rhythm in life is not enough of a justification for us to go to the trouble. Perhaps we need more evidence of the benefits to us right now, and I would offer this fourth reason. Sabbath rest reconnects us to our true identity as God's people, beloved daughters and sons who have a home in which we can rest. Duke Divinity theologian Ellen Davis teaches that the Hebraic understanding of rest is linked to belonging. And that makes sense, doesn't it? We can't rest if we don't have a place to belong. If we, if we don't have a home, we're restless. Sabbath rest regularly reconnects us to the truth that it is not our labor and striving that provides that home. We do not work our way to rest. We have a home in God. We have a family among the people of God. We have a place to rest because we belong. Sabbath rest also reminds us that there are limits to using humanity as a means to other ends. On Sabbath, we are the end ourselves, rather than being the means to anything beyond ourselves. Instead of seeing people for what they can do for us or what treasure we can get from them, we are rested into seeing them as the treasure. That's a lot of reasons. You may be convinced, you may be thinking about what small step you're going to take this week towards Sabbath rest. Let me give you one more reason why we should bother with Sabbath. It's because it's where we will meet God. Author Anita Diamant wrote, The Sabbath is a weekly cathedral raised up in my dining room, in my family, and in my heart. The Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. The first time that word occurs in the scriptures is Genesis 2-3. says this, Then God blessed the seventh day and made it kadosh, made it holy. That's at the end of the creation poem. That's the first time the word holy appears. Not in days one through six. God has created everything in all of creation in the first six days, but not until the seventh day does God set something apart and make it holy. God sanctifies something on the seventh day, and what he sanctifies is time. The first thing God makes holy is the Sabbath day. Not a place, not a person, but the seventh day. The first sanctuary in all of creation, which the Lord blessed, the Lord made holy, and the Lord rested, is a sanctuary of time. It's the Sabbath. How many times have I walked through holy places and shown reverence for the sanctity of that place with my clothing, with my posture, with my tone of voice, with the words that I use? Friends, I've walked in some holy places in Israel, places where I could feel the weight of what had happened. Places where I could put my feet where Jesus put his feet. And not just in Israel. Sometimes I walk through this room during the week. I walk through here to get from one side of the building to the other. No one's in here. The lights are off. But I still change when I'm walking through this space. I'll walk more reverently, quietly, aware of the space in which I'm in. The first thing that God made holy was not a space like this. 
It wasn't a place in Israel that I will get to visit a couple of times in my life if I'm lucky. It was a day into which I'm invited every six days. Do I enter that day with the same reverence, respect, and faith for what God has done there as I do the holy places? Do I approach the Sabbath with the same expectancy and anticipation of meeting God as I did walking around the ruins of Galilee? In his book on the Sabbath, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel wrote that creation is the language of God. God built the house of creation in days one through six, and on the seventh day, God moved in and invited us over. Why am I content to stay outside working on the outside of the house when the builder is inside inviting me in? We should keep Sabbath rest into our lives simply because it is where we will meet God. The seventh day, the day of rest, is made holy by our dwelling God who instructs us, models for us, and loves us into the rhythm of belonging, shalom, and hope. There's an ancient rabbinical legend that says, at the time when God was giving the Torah to Israel, God said to them, My children, if you accept the Torah and observe my instructions, I will give you for all eternity a thing most precious that I have in my possession. Israel asked, And what is the precious thing you will give us if we obey the Torah? The world to come, said the Lord. Israel said, well, then show us an example in this world of the world to come. The Lord said, the Sabbath is an example of the world to come. Rest. Shabbat Shalom.